the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Well, uh, we, we had a little bit of spring yesterday. <laughs> it's coming, folks. That's what they keep telling us. Anyway, adversity causes some men to break, others to break record. William Ward. Uh, there we go. Anyway, I, I was looking over things, and uh, boy, it was, it's a strange week, and I'm going to talk about that in our uh, third segment and see some of the things I'm seeing technically that really drove me nuts. Anyway, um, if you'd like to uh, get any of the information that we talk about on this show, uh, to please go to our website. The easiest way to get there is just Google Tim Hayes Radio, and I show up, and you can always tell it's me because there's uh, the line, remember, buy low, sell high. Uh, someday I'll have to change that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I won't. But uh, we had a lot of questions last week because I said, you know, uh, the technical analysis, Bob Dickey. Bob was on vacation last week, and I didn't know about it. So my apologies. He's 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 back at it. Uh, he had some interesting things to say this week in our conference call, so we'll leave, leave it at that. By the way, there's some other stuff about cybersecurity, interest rates, and things like that, and uh, I think you should uh, pay particular attention to those. There's a whole piece on data breaching, and uh, you, you should really – Take a look. I'm going to highlight uh, a couple of things that you can get from us. And um, number one is the, the best energy ideas, global best energy ideas. And some of these have already started to take off. Um, so, you know, you want to be a little bit more careful. Uh, but I'm also seeing some of the big domestic names. Remember I said when, you, when we first taught, started talking about energy, uh, oil back in August, I said, I'm buying the banks that just happen to be in the oil business. And if you don't know what I mean by that, then you shouldn't be probably buying your own stocks. <laughs> Number one. Number two, uh, you should have called me. Uh, so I'll leave it at that. Uh, the small caps uh, became number one on Dorsey Wright's list this week. So uh, the our best ideas, small caps. And by the way, there's a couple small cap ETFs out there that are dividend-oriented, I think that might be a pretty good uh, scenario. But uh, uh, small caps in general have taken the lead a little bit, so something to think about. They're very, very cheap, as I said last week, and I'll say it again this week uh, one one or two more times before this show's over, I'm sure. Um, Also, our top equity pick ideas and our top global ideas. Now, one thing that we did notice is that if you look at – on our all-cap portfolio, which is doing really well, by the way – and then you look at our guided portfolio for our ADRs. A lot of the foreign stocks have not done anything, especially European stocks. And, uh, you know, I, eventually they'll break. The question is when, and I don't know when, but uh, you should be paying particular attention because by the time they break, it'll be probably too late. 
uh, or they'll be up 10%. You know, the best time to buy stocks is when no one else is buying them, when everybody else hates them, okay? Uh, if you're a value player, if you're a growth player, the best time is to buy a new high. So what you want to do is a little bit of both, I think. Also, um, on my webpage, you can, you can uh, play around with our wealth plan. I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. It's uh, uh, a lot of people using it for good stuff. Uh, we, we've already had quite a few people uh, uh, call us back, and, and uh, you know they like what we have to say is what we're trying to tell you. We have a new newsletter out for April. Uh, you can get this just by you know uh, emailing me or contact me. I think it says one of those two on my webpage. And just say, Tim, I'd like your newsletter. We don't harass you with this. We send it to you monthly. You can get it whenever you want. Um, you can you can bail out whenever you want too. By the way, um, we this month it's dividend investing. You know, and what people don't understand is the art of compounding. Small dividend boosts can really uh, make for outside uh, outsized returns. And just some Social Security questions that if you can't answer, <laughs> you shouldn't sign up yet, folks. And the college landscape after tax reform. Uh, there's a lot of things changing because of tax reform. Uh, you know, for example, I mentioned last week that you can no longer write off business expenses. No longer. So uh, there we go. All right, let's get started. Uh, roughly one in five conventional mortgage loans made this winter went to borrowers spending more than 45% of their monthly incomes on their mortgage payment and other debts. That's the highest proportion since the housing crisis. Hmm. Overall, cereal sales in the U.S. have declined 11% over the last five years to around $9 billion. That's, uh, that's, you can see that in the performance of uh, some of the cereal company makers. Uh, I think Post was the smartest of them all. They, you know, they diversified out. Uh, among all luxury classes, including art, watches, furniture, wine, etc., automobiles have had the largest 10-year return at 334%. There's people already talking about that being a, a top. Uh, anyway, um, as I mentioned, uh, there was a great article uh, in the Indianapolis Business Journal, and it talked about for viable retirement, age 70 is now the new 65. So uh, there you go. Now, I've talked about this many a time, and, and I'll probably talk about it you know, way too much <laughs> over, the, over the course of, of time here. But uh, if you don't have a process you don't have a plan if you can't describe what you're doing as a process you don't know what you're doing uh that edward deming who's a pretty smart guy so uh our process is we start big and we move our way down all right every week and uh look i i keep harping on this but the two year treasury yield has now crossed over the s&p 500 yield and that's the first time that's happened since way back in the 90s okay uh so Oh, well, I shouldn't say that. Back in 2008, when everybody cut their dividend, it was, it was above it, too, uh, but just barely. Uh, so th- this is it's taken a long time for this to occur. And uh, so now you have some competition. Uh, people say, you know, but look, just remember, you have to, with the tax rate, you know, you, with, with a, a bond, it's regular income. So if you're in the 25 30% tax break bracket, you got a problem. With a dividend, it's only 18%. So uh, with a dividend, it's much better. As I mentioned, uh, on uh, Dorsey Wright's fund score, uh, the top-performing group was small caps this week and uh, emerging markets diversified, by the way, and index funds again. Uh, people keep shoving money into indexes, and I, 
I think that's going to end badly. Uh, the last two times it's happened, it's ended very, very badly for the indexes. We had a great article that uh, came out of Credit Suisse this week, and uh, what they're doing is they're talking about hunting for uh, Warren Buffett's next big elephant. And, uh, you know, they're going through the acquisition process for Buffett, and I, I think it's a real good piece. I don't think I can send it out, but that's okay. Um, look, I, you know, this, this last couple of weeks, and I've been doing the same thing, by the way, we, there's been a lot of, you know, hand-wringing about the earnings and the economy. And, it, you know, it's always appropriate to be on the, the, the risk for concerns for the market. And, and uh, But, you know, aside from a couple high-profile missteps like Caterpillar and 3M, you know, Caterpillar had $2 their earnings, but they made a misstep in the conference call. <laughs> Same with, uh, with 3M. <laughs> they got blown up, okay? Uh, the earnings beat rate is the highest level since we first totaled it in 1994 at RBC. So uh, roughly one-third of the S&P 500 companies that have reported thus far, almost 80% have exceeded the consensus earnings forecast. Um, now, the generous uh, corporate tax cut is likely enhancing the earnings beats, just so you know, uh, but it also helped the growth. It also helped spending, which is important. So the bulk of... Uh, the bulk of it has nothing to do with Uncle Sam. What impresses us most is that the revenue growth is robust for the second straight quarter. We haven't seen this in almost nine years. All right, so that's really good. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, you know, last week I mentioned a bunch of things about uh, what women had uh, completed a survey, and I, I said something, and some people uh, got me to or got to thinking that I don't like women. <laughs> that's not true at all. I've been married for a long, long time. I have a daughter. I have two sisters. I have uh, five sister, four sister-in-laws, uh, and you know I'm very fond of women. Matter of fact, I know these women so well that I am very optimistic about this country uh, because of women. And uh, the more they're taking a, a position in the workforce, so I'll just say that. Now, some ha- so a couple things happened this week. Um, the ten-year Treasury yield broke a quintuple top and, and broke through to two nine five. Now, the downtrend line dating back to 1982. Is it three point four percent? So that's something you got to consider. And uh, you know, I talked about uh, preferreds uh, several times over the last four or five months. And this is from uh, uh, Cohen's and Steers. They said preferred shares remain our favorite fixed income sector, particularly as the ten-year Treasury yield. Now they do mostly uh, 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 REITs, okay? But that's the second thing I want to talk to you about. The tide may be turning for REITs. Uh, you know, real estate investment trusts have fell out of favor. As some of the inflationary concerns, uh, you know, picked up and the Fed's, you know, moved to normalize policy. But I think what you, you know, what yields up, you buy REITs, right? So it's been kind of a roller coaster ride. But I think what you want to be looking at is certain REITs. And, and if you don't know what REITs are, you don't know what a triple net or a healthcare REIT is or a multifamily or self-storage or an office or retail or an industrial REIT for that matter, you should. You shouldn't be uh, buying them. But if you do, if you want to know about them, call me, 888-223-7742, and we'll talk about them, all right? One of the things that's been really kind of evident for the last five years is that Pepsi has had it all over Coke, all right, especially on a relative strength basis. Five, five years ago, Pepsi gave a relative strength buy signal over Coke. Coke just gave one over Pepsi, uh, which is the first time in a long, long time. So uh, there we go. Now, um there are 700 companies that reported last week, and th- there's another 420 next week. And it's kind of interesting. If you look at the stocks that 
new all-time high. Small caps are 42%. Large caps are 32 Mid caps are 26 So it's small or large. And the large, I think, is uh, some of the large caps are losing uh, momentum. Now, if we look at the breakdown, 25% of those are industrials. 15.6, these are the new highs now. 15.6 are healthcare. 14.6 are uh, consumer non-cyclical. Uh, 13.5 is consumer cyclical. That's usually retail, by the way. 11.5 are tech. 9.4 are financial. So, and basic materials, 4.2. Energy is 3.1. But the week after they report, it's 4.2. <laughs> so the energy stock's starting to pick up relative strength, what I'm trying to say. But, you know, everybody thinks this technology has hit noon highs. It seems like it's industrials to me. One other thing, uh, the U.S. dollar index has got a triple top going right now. So if it were to break uh, out to 91, 92, uh, that could get really, really interesting. And I think what you're going to see is uh, if the dollar breaks out, that'll be a problem, I think, for oil uh, a little bit. All right. So oil may pull back a little bit, which gives you another opportunity to buy. Uh, you know, we've been pretty good on our calls on oil. We talked about the last two weeks of August. That was perfect. And then we stopped uh, recommending them in January. Then we came back a couple weeks ago, and it was, it was pretty good. Hey, let's take a break. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Stay tuned. I was driving. A young, passionate monk and theologian strides up to the imposing dark doors of Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany. The year is 1517, the thick Gothic steeple towers above. Quietly, Martin Luther posts a list of 95 statements challenging the Roman Catholic Church. That document set in motion the events of the Reformation and changed the Christian faith forever. In 2018, you too can step in front of those very church doors along with teaching pastor Alistair Begg. Join Alistair and fellow like-minded believers for the Reformation Tour and Rover Cruise July 31st through August 12th. Visit fascinating historical sites that played an integral role in the Reformation, including charming European villages, stately castles and churches, and iconic sites like Leipzig, Vienna, and Prague. Your time in Europe will only deepen your love of the Bible and the church. So book your trip today and join teaching pastor Alistair Begg for the Reformation Tour and River Cruise from July 31st through August 12th, 2018. For all the details, visit whkradio.com or call 855-565-5519. Seems like not a day goes by without a terrorist attack someplace in the world. So we can sit there paralyzed, or we can try to understand it. That's why this station exists. We don't just report the news. We help you make sense of it all. But the truth is, there's a deeper meaning to all of this. There is a true answer to life's most troubling issues. And in order to get it, you'll have to switch the dial. Hey, it's okay if you do. Just don't stay over there too long. We want you back. AM 1420, The Answer, and AM 1220, The Word. One goes with the other. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show, and uh, I'm going to go over some more stuff in, in oil here. 
and uh, talk about some yields and other stuff. But, uh, you know, it, we, like I said, it, at, at the last second there is one of the things that's, that's pretty interesting is that the, uh, the 10-year Treasury did break above the 295 mark. It hit 3% for a short period of time and then turned back, and the dollar looks like it may uh, break a triple top. So that gets real interesting. Um, by the way, if you'd like to talk about your portfolio or sit down and have a cup of coffee with me, uh, the number at my office is 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Uh, I've been told by many people that I don't say that uh, number enough, and I apologize to everybody. Um so we're moving kind of beat to the oil drum. Uh, you know, it's, this, is, this is not, you know, Jamaica music or anything like that. We're steel drums, but crude oil prices have hit multi-year highs. And, and oil's comeback isn't a mirage, and it, at least in my view it isn't. Um, what we're seeing is energy stocks have bounced along with the price of oil. One of the things that's supposed to happen during this period of time is we're supposed to be making or uh, adding to our inventories, and I don't know if you noticed, but, you know, on January, the first week of January, we said on this show, I think it was first week or second week, we said on this show that gasoline had broken out. It's now up 14.8% since then. I just paid over $3 for premium gas at Costco. So it's probably like three three twenty or three thirty dollars uh, someplace else. So, uh, you know, it, it's getting interesting now. So, um, so. Look, there's some sturdier fundamentals that are underpinning rallies, and I think it, it's, it's due to a healthy global economy, number one, uh, some production discipline by, by OPEC and Russia, and the oil market is coming into balance. Okay, Supply and demand are, are nearly equal at this point and could slip into a slight deficit beginning you know, this right, like right now. So even though U.S. production is likely to jump meaningfully in, through the year uh, because of this, out, output should OPEC, it shouldn't remain disciplined, at least until Armaco Saudi Arabia's <laughs> uh, oil uh, company goes public. Uh, now, President Trump's appointment of Uberhawk John uh, Bolton as a national security advisor increases the possibility that Iran's nuclear deal could be scuttled. And that could add, you know, uh, there could be some sanctions on, on Iran, Iranian crude. So uh, Venezuela's economy could, could come under additional pressure. They're, they're out to lunch <laughs> is what it comes down to. So, uh, look, there's quite a bit of oil uh, to oil's recent bounce, and I think it's going to stay there. So I think U.S. oil production is likely to jump, but the output should remain disciplined overseas, okay? Uh, Iranian, Venezuelan, and Libyan supplies represent 9% of the global market total, and, and it might seem low, but it's actually high enough to impact oil prices. And as crude oil um, has has risen to levels that we haven't seen since basically 2014, uh, energy equities have bounced across the region. But the commodity is doing much better than the equity. So you, you, what you want to see is the equities come to, together. So uh, we are fairly bullish at RBC. So uh, especially uh, Lori uh, Calfazina, our, our head strategist, she likes the oil industry because uh, they're cheap. And, and uh, like I said, oils move first. The oil stocks have not. Uh, she cites a couple catalysts. Stocks are finally catching up to improving crude fundamentals, number one, like we just said. Earning trends are improving. So what we've got rid of is all the all the earnings that were coming down. They're starting to turn up. And uh, by the way, the sector tends to outperform when inflation expectations uh, uh, are greater. Okay? Um, so we could have an energy bull here. 
something to think about, and uh, you might want to energize your portfolio. Uh, Jeffrey Gunlock came out, and he said um, he's long energy stocks. He said to short Facebook at, at the Sony conference that was two days before the earnings. Uh, this guy's been really good, though. I mean, uh, by the way, Facebook was up 10% two days later, uh, so he looks kind of bad at this point. But, you know, he, he called the Trump victory. He said there would be a melt-up after it. He talked about the banks being a place to be. Uh, you know, he said, the, you know, in 2016 that he thought the Treasury, the 10-year Treasury yield would hit an all-time low. It did. You know, it, it, he's been unbelievable. So the fact that he missed Facebook, uh, I, I guess you're loud, loud one. Now, one of the things that did happen this week with our friends at Dorsey Wright is that the oil sector is now favored. And, uh, boy, do I have a lot of good ideas. <laughs> so, you know, we, we have five or six, uh, the Internet Protection Services, Software, Oil, Healthcare, and Machinery are all uh, favored right now uh, in the 50 area. Uh, oil has turned up nicely this week. <clears throat> Remember, it was below 30 just three months ago, and but but there's a lot of names that I'm I'm really liking, uh, and I got a whole list of them. So if you'd like to hear more about that, uh, you know, call me eight 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 two two three seven seven four two, or just uh, you know, Google Tim Hayes Radio, and ask for our global energy ideas. Now, a lot of the global energy ideas are not on these lists. So you know what we try to do is put the technicals and the fundamentals together, but. Uh, Look, there's, I, I, there was a great article uh, the other day about, you know, oil prices have rallied and, uh, and the stockpiles of commodities among the industrial nations that make up the Organization for Economic Development stood at uh, like 2.84 billion barrels. And there's only, um, you know, only 30 million barrels above the uh, five-year average. So what you're looking at is a real tightening in the, uh, the supply. So... You know, hmm, interesting. Now, I guess the question is uh, changing subjects uh, to the banks. The bank index broke out again this week, and I guess the question is, can financials soar if bonds yields rise above 3%? And since we hit 3% this week on the TNX, which is the 10-year, I did notice that, you know, a lot of the banks broke out, and they broke out uh, of little downtrends they've been in, uh, the MACD lines broke out uh, out of downtrend, so it was it was a fairly interesting scenario. So, uh, with the you know the the ten year Treasury uh, breaking above three, it didn't stay there long. But uh, you know, will this continue? Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but uh, I would suggest that you know the commodity index in general uh, broke above their their average. So uh, it'll it'll be you know I mean look the ten year Treasury yield index made a major double bottom uh you know first came in 2012 second came in 2016 <clears throat> at that 135 level and now it has a you know two tops at uh at three percent be interesting if we can break through there now crude oil is is trading at a three-year high and it's it's almost got the same chart as the 10-year yield index so there we go now uh every september uh we have an equity leaders conference and and our uh, we we talk about uh, take two minutes to pitch a stock in the room. And uh, last year, one of the stocks that were picked was a gold mining company called American uh, Barracks. And uh, disheartenly, the quote ab- from above was uh, common feedback I received. So you're a gold bug, huh? Uh, anyway, 
Look, uh, what is a gold bug? Someone who either wants to return the dollar to gold standard, wants to use gold as money in addition to a dollar, collects or invests in gold, silver, copper, precious metals, etc. Gold bugs are sometimes associated with paranoia, uh, 911 truthers, uh, survivalism, tax protesters, racism, anti-Semitism, and the far right. I've left the impression that I fit in uh, none of the descriptions above, but I, I think it's an asset class that's been you know, completely wiped out. Um, look, gold has a tendency to outperform stocks in both bear markets and during tough times when inflation's picking up. So th- this should be no difference. I will say that the actual price of gold is not acting well, but it didn't act well a while back and then return right to that downtrend line. So it's broken above the downtrend line in this huge triangle pattern dating back to 2009. So it's this nine-year pattern. And it's come right back to the you know, where it broke out from. And so it'll be interesting to see if it it turns up. But, you know, as I said last week and the week before, we just put out a report on our top global mining ideas. And this is mining in all senses, precious metals, base metals, fertilizer, uranium, et cetera. Because if I'm right, and I said this in January, and I said, you know, I said in December, last two weeks of December, I thought commodities were going to be the leaders this year. And uh, if that's the case, most of these would do pretty well. But we did break up. We have not broken above that 1360 level. So uh, what if we do that, then I'd be all in uh, completely all in. Now, here's some of the things I've seen. And uh, we had a pullback from resistance. So we have a litmus test uh, for immediate term recovery coming. And uh, uh, we're revisiting a maturing four year market cycle. So, you know, we really shouldn't peak until sometime next year. But we'll see what happens. Uh, the banks have been bottoming right at their 200-day moving averages while we've had some improving relative performance. Um, there's some really good-looking small banks out there. I mean, really, really good-looking. Uh, the exploration production companies in oil are really uh, starting to pick up big. Uh, and the semis are beginning to reverse some relative uptrends. And I don't like what I'm seeing there uh, short-term, all right? Once they bottom, I think it'll be a good time to, you know, get back involved. Now, there's some early signs that the cycle is maturing, giving the monthly momentum. And uh, it might have peaked. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, it can still go sideways for a while. Uh, semiconductors, you know, some of the leadership, like semiconductors, begin to fray. Uh, and that's typically late uh, cycle leadership in energy, okay, uh, usually. The 10-year yields, as I said, 342 would be what we have to worry about. But breaking over three was, you know, something to be concerned about. Uh the U.S. spreads continue to narrow, but they haven't inverted yet, so we don't have an inverted curve yet. The U.S. dollar broke out and came all the way back down to the breakout line. That's exactly what gold did, by the way. But we are seeing the relative strength is trending. You know, it's pretty oversold and is starting to turn up, so that's something we got to pay attention to. The bank index is improving nicely. Oil, you know, if you you you're challenging the 50% retracement on oil right now. There's some major resistance at 80, so we'll have to see what happens there. Um, like I said, uh, if, if you look at the uh, uh, semis, the, the oil versus semis on a relative strength basis, uh, basis, oil's starting to pick up, and that's usually a bad thing for the end of it. We're seeing some improvement in industrials and the transports. Uh, energy was very oversold there for a while. Now we're seeing improvement. Med tech and equipment has, has been leading the healthcare area. Uh, 
And utilities uh, are just starting to turn up, and banks and, and brokers are slowing, but they're still moving up. So that's a that's a big positive. Um, you know, now might be a good time to go dumpster diving. <laughs> Find some stocks that you really, really like and, and make sure the fundamentals are still there or, or if they've sold off to see if the fundamentals are going to turn. Hey, let's take a break. We'll be right back with the, uh, with the uh, bullish percent. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. The Army National Guard is committed to keeping the country safe and our communities secure. Composed of hundreds of thousands of citizen soldiers from all walks of life and in every corner of America, the Guard is always ready to respond to local or national emergencies. The Army National Guard reacts to domestic operations in each of America's 54 states and territories, including Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, Guam, and the District of Columbia. Each state National Guard's unique domestic role is to act as the first line of defense in support of civil authorities in their state. The Guard's emergency responses include Search and rescue missions for floods, combating wildfires, hurricane and tornado recovery, and the presidential inauguration. The Army National Guard. We are always ready. We are always there. And in every state and territory, we stand guard for our communities. To learn more, log on to NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. I'm Hugh Hewitt. This week in the Town Hall Review, brought to you in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom, a conversation with the outgoing Speaker of the House. I do not want my kids to look back and only know me as the guy who's home on weekends. We'll cover all of this and much more. Join us for our program. Visit our website at townhallreview.com. Saturday at 5 a.m. and Sunday at 4 p.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, uh, this is the Smart Investor Show. And, you know, WHK on their, on their webpage, if you go to WHK AM 1420, The Answer, they have uh, all of my shows recorded for the last year. So if you just look up Tim Hayes, go down. It, it has all the um, uh, podcasts. And if you look up Tim Hayes, go down there. So you can, you can check up on me. All right? You can go back to August and say, hey, did he really talk about oil back then? Did he talk about, you know, in between December and, and January, did he talk about commodities uh, and, and that type of thing and, and uh, check up on me? But uh, it's there, okay? And if you'd like to have a conversation, sit down, have a cup of coffee, talk about your portfolio, uh, just either call me, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or Google Tim Hayes Radio and hit contact me, and I'd be glad to talk to you. All right, so I, I want to talk a little bit more about what we finished off last segment with, and that is dumpster diving, <laughs> which I'm sure all of you have tried once or twice in your life, right? Uh, anyway, um, look, what I'm talking about, I just dumped dumpster dive on a sports apparel company a while back, 
And, uh, you know, people think uh, I'm nuts, but uh, I like the idea a lot. And I think sometimes you have to look at some of the stocks that are down and out and say, is that a real business model? You know, I mean, right now they're beating up the the technology stocks pretty hard. And, um, you know, uh, where they're beating up the biotechs pretty hard. Matter of fact, I've, I've seen several times in the last week where stocks have broken quadruple bottoms on a point and figure chart and reverse back up the next day on earnings. I've seen them, you know, break down into a, where actually we can draw a downtrend line and the relative strength turns over into a sell signal and reverse right back up. I've been seeing the opposite too. I've seen stocks that are broken three, four tops on a point and figure chart only to reverse down on the earnings. So it's a crazy market, but if you can find some down and out stocks, you know, uh, dumpster diving is a, probably a pretty good idea at this point. Uh, you know, if they're down and they've been down for a while, might be a good idea. Okay, so we're going to talk about the bullish percent now. And our bullish percent is just simply our risk guide. It doesn't tell us where the market's going, up or down. It just says, hey, there's more risk or less risk. And as I said last week, we, uh, we did go into a column of X's last week. However, we're in what we call bearish correction mode. And, um, and I'll say this again. We have, we've come to a stop, I mean, a four-way stop. It's a flashing red light. We look one way, we look the other. We look one way, we look the other, okay? And then we proceed. Uh, so it's, I, I haven't been finding as many stocks in the last month as I normally do. Uh, you know, it just hasn't been happening. So uh, anyway, but we are in a column of X's, so the offensive team is on the field. You can run some plays. I would suggest that, uh, I don't know if I'd be throwing the long bomb right here. Okay, uh, you know, if, if uh, you know, uh, Baker is, is going to take the snaps for the Browns next year, what I would probably end up doing is telling Baker to run at this point or hand off to the fullback. Uh, the over-the-counter index is still in the column of O's. Uh, it, it has not turned up yet, and so hasn't the world index. So, you know, those, those are some problems that you have to uh, think about. And, uh, look, here's some other things I've seen. Uh, you know, the U.S. dollar has returned to a buy signal on its default chart. And it, it, it looks like it, as of Friday, I'm just looking at the chart, it broke 91. So that would be a triple top break. One thing is that I noticed this uh, straight state street sector model added uh, the S&P oil and gas expiration production ETF to their, their, uh, their holdings. And the cash pre- pre- uh, percentile for international equities now stands at zero which means you shouldn't have any cash if you're in, inter, in uh, international uh, or you're in international equities. All right. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the, the T, the key fund um, financials visa had a blowout quarter. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're seeing some interesting stuff going on there. So there was no change in the bullish percent indicators over the week. Uh, we still have our friends uh, um in the small cap and the international stocks are still, you know, in a column of O's. So you want to be careful, but you know, domestic equities still lead the way. They, they have 28.8% of the votes. International equities are second at 26.9 and international equities are a mixed bag. Uh, emerging markets are starting to pick up a little bit. Uh, the, the developed markets look terrible. <laughs> so, uh, commodities, uh, have 16% of the vote and then fixed income 13 uh, fixed income has been a tough place to be because if you've been in bonds, you're getting beat up a little bit. If you're in a bond mutual fund, you got to be careful with those guys because sometimes they don't come back. Uh, just ask anybody who owned Ginny Mae bonds back in, in the 80s. Um, 
As far as, uh, look, I think the, if you talk about this cash percentile for international equities, this would suggest that all the uh, international equity proxies in the ranking are currently above the money market proxy, meaning it's better to have the, the actual stocks than the money market, okay? So this is the fourth time in the past 12 years that the international uh, equity cash print, uh, percentile ranking has been at zero. The other times were in late 2009, right after the fiasco, early 2010, mid-2011, and early 2013. Uh, Look, this is all to say that despite the market volatility of late, the international equity market continues to show a positive picture. So uh, the fact that the money market proxy stands uh, in the last position suggests that uh, there's a, a large breadth of strength out there in international equities, all right? So I, I'm, I'm going to uh, – a couple people went positive on, on uh, English equities, uh, and I'll talk about that in a minute. So we'll talk – you know, there's some interesting scenarios going on there. So weekly momentum finally went positive for the Dow Jones. Have been, it have been seven weeks of being negative. Same with the small caps and mid caps. The QQQs still remain six weeks of negative territory, and the uh, – both both of the uh, equal weighted and market uh, market capitalization weighted on the uh, S and P five hundred went positive. They've been negative for a pretty long time. So now uh, it was a negative week overall uh, for most of the top major ETFs. Uh, however, the shares of the uh, Morgan Stanley Corporate Index or EAFE uh, fared the best, losing just point seven seven percent, and it. I started to look at the chart, and our friends at Dorsey Wright, who provide us with the bullish percent, by the way, actually highlighted this chart. So that's always a good sign. Um, what, what we have here is a triangle pattern. So if we were to break up, uh, you know, past 73, uh, that would be very positive. On the other hand, a move to 67 would give you a pretty easy stop. So triangle patterns are good for that because you, you know you're wrong right away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you know you're right right away, and uh, that's always a good thing when you're we're taking a look. Now, if we looked at sectors, we're up to ten favored sectors. So we went from thirty-four favored sectors, and remember, there's only forty-seven of them here total, down all the way down to eight <coughs> last week. Now we're up to ten, and um, what we only talk about on the show is favored sectors, and we what we do is we talk about the most overbought to the least overbought, and. Textiles are still at uh, 75%. Gaming's at, at 70 Banking's at 65 um, So I'd wait on all those, by the way. Uh, machinery and healthcare are at 55 Not a bad place to look. Internet, protection services, software, and oil are at 50 I mean, I, I, my humble opinion, oil's the best bet there because that's been in a two-year bear market, three-year bear market. Uh, and then if, and at 50 is computers. Uh, which is very interesting. And then below 30, or at 30, I should say, are precious metals and drugs. Now, remember, precious metals were at 24 just last week, so drugs are actually fading, uh, precious metals picking up. So uh, that's kind of interesting. We have a lot of groups that are in what I call bear correction mode, which means that they're they're rallying within a bear market, and uh, that is... Not a good sign, <laughs> usually, okay? Uh, protection services and oil went to favorite status this week. Leisure went to uh, a little bit better than average, and drugs went to unf- un- unfavored. And uh, I, I, that's kind of uh, very interesting. 
Um, there was a great report from Deutsche Bank this week uh, on hedging, currency hedging, and I can't recommend it to, I can't you know, send it out to anybody, but I thought that was interesting. And one of the things that we did see, our friends at Dorsey Wright saw, I should say, is our X trackers, uh, the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index Brazil hedged equity fund, uh, gave a relative strength buy signal uh, versus the other Brazilian funds. So uh, hedging is probably not a bad idea. Uh, inverse fixed income hit uh, three uh, above three, meaning that the only way to make money on fixed income was to go against the tide and, and go short fixed income. And if you look at the core bond fund, the iShares core bond fund ETF, it really got hammered. I mean, it uh, the AGG has broken another double bottom. Uh, at one time it was 109, it's now 105. So uh, that's getting hit pretty hard. As far as commodities, oil continues its streak, three straight weeks of uh, weekly momentum. Uh, continuous commodities are up for the second street, uh, say second street, second straight week in a row. Easy for me to say on Saturday morning. And gold went negative this week. Again, I told you it's not acting well. Copper has two straight weeks of doing well. And and I mentioned that uh, I noticed that we did do a triple top break on uh, the dollar on Friday. So we hit 91. So that's a positive. We're still in negative trend, but it's, it's you know, getting better. As far as relative strength is concerned, uh, we look at relative strength buy signals in this system. Uh, it's very important simply because I think there's 10 different technical uh, situations. They all talk about relative strength. Remember, we want to add fundamentals to our technicals, and usually we do a lot better than just picking a stock, okay? Uh, so uh, big five sporting goods, a low price stock, PDC Energy, PSF Web, which is industrial goods, uh, my, Make My Trip Limited, uh, Michael Kors, Matador Resources, uh, Richardson Electronics, TransOcean, Endeavor, SunPower, the Container Store Group, and Ring Energy. On the uh, sell side is Juniper Pharmaceuticals. And, and by the way, on the sell side, doesn't mean you have to go out and sell a stock. It just means you better check your fundamentals. Uh, uh, Hubble, which is industrial goods, Clovis Oncology, Lamar uh, Advertising, NetEase, Mueller Water Products, Xena uh, Investment Management, Sleep Number Corp., uh, 21 Vianet, Tessero, Care Trust REIT, and Philip Morris International, which got hammered, as you're probably well aware. Uh, and like I said, uh, a couple things happen. Well, a couple things I'll just talk about real quick. There are several people that are upgrading U.K. Uh, equities to overweight. What they're saying is the macro drivers are very positive, and the sterling strength is the risk at this point. So uh, the Brescott discount should uh, fall from here. Uh, if you want to know what to buy, I'd take a look at our ADR list. And by the way, everybody's worried about the, the timing of this trade war. And we seem to think that uh, it'd be worse for China at this point than for us. And we can go over those reasons sometime in the near future. Hey, let's take a break. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Bob France, and you know why Kowalski Ford rarely, if ever, advertises a price? It's because of duplicitous dealers out there promising $99 a month, $89 a month, $69 a month. No wonder people don't like shopping for new vehicles. Free this and free that. You're not dumb. You realize somebody has to pay for those so-called deals? Well, at Kowalski Ford, you just tell them what you're looking for, color, model, options, and they'll get you a great price and deliver it with a smile and a handshake. Doesn't that sound like a better way to shop for a car? Kowalski Ford in Avon Lake, on Lake Road, one mile west of Route 83. Kowalski Ford, get there. 
Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And uh, uh, look, if you'd like to get any of the material that you heard about on this show, remember, Google Tim Hayes Radio and uh, just hit the contact me or the email me. Or you can call me, uh, the good old telephone, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Um, now we're going to talk about insiders. And uh, I, I, there's a couple things that I saw that I really liked this week and um uh although i the the insider ratio went decidedly negative uh you know it's up around 37 which tends to be in what i call in the bearish area but uh first of all philip frost bought another oh boy uh 423,000 shares of opco uh he must like the stock because uh this guy you know dr frost has been around he's he sold like five or six companies and uh made a lot of money this one's been uh you know, after he started buying, it went straight from like four to 19. Uh, and it's come already back down to three and he's still buying it. So uh, he obviously likes a lot. Um, but we we didn't have much in the big names, but I want to talk about a couple things. Uh, the CEO at TransOcean just bought another 58,000 shares. Remember, insiders bought 4.15 million shares uh, at around $12. So here, you know, he now owns 430,000 shares, so he owns a ton of it, and he's buying more in the open market. I love that. Uh, And the fact that other people have bought it, uh, and it gave a relative strength buy signal this week uh, on the Dorsey system, so that's interesting. And then uh, Radius Health. Uh, We noticed that (laughs) uh, the biotech uh, uh, group, which is uh, Envy, which is, you know, very, very smart money, uh, but 1.3 million shares. They're a 10% owner, so they've been buying it on the way down. Uh, they started their purchases at around 42. It's a 32, and they're buying a lot more. So pay pay close attention to that. And you know, we talked about uh, Entercom Communications last week, and uh, Joe Field, who's a, a, a director, uh, he's actually the chairman emeritus had bought some stocks. Well, he bought another 415,000 shares. He now owns 7.4 million. Last uh, last three weeks, he's bought 2 million shares, not dollars, shares. That's usually a pretty good sign. <laughs> and then we have another, we have a company by the uh, name of Accelerated Diagnostics. You may recall that we have a gentleman by the name of Jack Schuler, who's a very bright guy, who owns better, way more than 10% of this company. And, uh, you know, he, he bought some just three weeks ago, about 30,000 shares. Well, he bought another 9,400 shares, and we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people buy 9,400 shares, and they are the CEO, a uh, couple directors, the CFO. And then the week bef- uh, this week, we had the CFO buy uh, $50,000 or 500, no, $50,000 uh, worth, the CEO 
uh, COO, I'm sorry, uh, bought 8,000 shares, and the CEO bought another 25,000 shares. So uh, you like to see multiple purchases like that in a big way. So take it from there. Uh, and Amtrust Financial Services, we've been watching this one for a while. We had uh, Barry Zielinski, who uh, is the chairman, president, CEO, a couple weeks ago buy some stock. A couple months ago he bought some stock. And then a couple of the other directors bought some stock. Well, Mr. Uh, uh, Ziskin just bought another $37,152,000 worth. That's um, always a good sign. Uh, he, by the way, he owns, he now owns uh, about six, uh, $6 million shares. So that's, that's a lot. And here's one that uh, is really interesting because this group is just really out of favor. Um, and, and this, this guy is, is, is director of, uh, numerous medical companies. Uh, but somebody bought $12.955 million of Biogen IDEC and it's Alexander Dunn, who's a director and he's a director of numerous biotech companies. So, uh, something to pay fairly close attention to. So some people ask me, Tim, you know, uh, why are you negative? And I, I'm, Look, I hate being negative, I, but I like to be honest. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we are seeing some things that I don't like. And uh, let's, let's go over those first. First of all, uh, you, you know, gold is not doing exactly what we thought it would do. Um, we have rising short-term interest rates. We have a lot of complacency. Uh, we have very narrow market leadership, and uh, we're also getting leadership from oil stocks and commodities prices, which is usually uh, late cycle stuff. And, uh, you know, there is some inflation starting to show up, and, and that's kind of a problem. And, and uh, look, uh, Bob Dickey put out a chart Friday, and, and I thought it was very interesting. We're, we're having a series of lower highs and flat lows. This is kind of a... Uh, uh, what they call a descending triangle. And, uh, you know, usually whichever way it breaks uh, is a pretty big move. Uh, but the, in order to change the, you know, the declining pattern, the indexes would need to break out to the upside. So if it were to break, uh, you know, like 23, you know, 23,200 or something around there, we'd, we'd probably be in trouble on the downside. If we were to break 24.5 on the upside, we'd be a, a positive scenario. So, you know, we believe the pattern itself has uh, some likelihood that the, we could break to the downside. That's my opinion, just simply because of what I'm seeing. Uh, now, you know, you got to wait and see so you don't know. But, uh, you know, look, we do have uh, we're in bearish correction mode. That means we're having a little bit of, little bit of a rally and a, and a sell off. And I've, I've had several uh, new clients come in. And ask me why I'm not doing anything is because I'm having a hard time finding good stocks. Uh, had a couple, you know, dumpster divers that I like. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there we go. Now, um, across the pond, the relative performance of the larger European stocks has, has been in an underperforming trend to the S&P for the most of the last nine years. And I don't see any change in that. Uh, I am seeing a couple uh, internationally that are doing well, but I'm not seeing anything in the European market. Uh, I thought ABB was going to uh, take up, you know, that's Rothschild money and uh, they're in the robotics area. 
picked up for a while and then died and uh, right back to where I bought it uh, in one fell swoop. So uh, you, you got to be a little bit more careful, I think, with some of the European stocks. I do think some of the international stocks uh, have done extremely well, and, and we've picked those pretty pretty nicely, I think. Um, look, there's a pattern here, and it's it's of lower volume on the rallies and higher volume on the sell-offs. And I think that is not really the best of signs. This is especially happening on the S&P 500. So, uh, you know, and look, I I noticed a couple things last week. Like, uh, there was huge volume on the breakout of Facebook. So that's a positive. Uh, There was a couple huge breakouts. But on the other hand, there was some sell-offs, and they were on unbelievable volume. And the volume on Facebook wasn't, you know, the biggest volume ever or anything like that. It's about half normal size. So I think you got to be a little bit more careful with those type of names. And um, somebody asked me, you know, what would you do right now? Utility stocks have fallen uh, out of attention over the past, you know, five, six months because interest rates have gone up and they sit right up their uptrend line. So if they're going to hold, you know, now's probably a pretty good time to, to buy them. Uh, and consumer staples are just getting killed. And I, I don't see any uh, I don't see them hitting bottom yet. Um, they're, they're getting beaten up. I mean, Clorox and Kimberly Clark and, but look, I want you to understand something, you know, talking about buying yield when it's up, the consume, a lot of these consumer stocks are dividend aristocrats, folks, right? You, you have to, you know, if they're getting beat up, what is a better time to buy them? Now you might want to wait a little bit longer, but I think, you know, this is an opportunity that not many people are talking about. You know, let the consumer staples come in a little bit more and then start to look at them because, uh, you know, I mean, there's of the there's a hundred dividend aristocrats, I think, uh, total. That's a 10 year deal. But for over 20 years, there's 14 of them that are consumer uh, staples. All right. So there we go. Um, so anyway, we, we got this big triangle pattern. And I, and I would just suggest that, you know, that's something to pay attention to. We did have the breakout in oil that we talked about. Uh, and steel looks like it wants to break out, but hasn't yet. So uh, uh, that's something to think about. And uh, look, I, I think uh, everybody's given President Trump about a hard time about this, this, uh, these tariffs. But look, I, I more I read about China, uh, this couldn't be a worse time for China because they're they're in trouble. Uh, you know, th- despite uh, a solid first quarter bump, you know, fixed asset investment remains far below former levels there, and. It, the retail sales has, has remained steady, but some other key data points so uh, have slowed markedly in, in their scenario. The financial sector stability has likely been enhanced. The shadow banking group has all but dried up uh, for them, which is good. But, you know, China stock ideas remain resilient in the face of some of these escalating trade tensions. But it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think it's going to be difficult for them. But anyway, what would I do now? Look, I think this is a perfect time for dividend growth portfolios or, or the prime income list. They're beating these stocks up, all right? You buy yield when it's up, okay? The higher it goes, the better. So let them beat them up a little bit and come in and start to buy them. I would certainly take a look uh, at some of, of our top ideas in small cap stocks. They're holding up better. I, like I said, they're very, very cheap. They're two and a half standard deviations below zero and three and three quarters below large caps. Folks, that is a statistical anomaly. It doesn't happen very often, so uh, something to think about. Also, our global mining I- ideas and our global oil ideas. Uh, you know, so phenomenal scenario right there to be buying those uh, right at the moment. Uh, so what would you do? Uh, 
look, uh, just you go to Tim Hayes, you Google Tim Hayes Radio, and I, I show up there, and all you have to do is hit the contact me, email me, sign up for the newsletter while you're at it. Uh, it's got great information. It's not necessarily about the stock market, but it, it, it's good information about uh, things in general, uh, financial things in general, by the way. And, and you know, I, I would also um, say that this is probably a pretty good time to sit down and talk about your portfolio, where you should be, where you are. Uh, it's amazing how many people are 100% in indexes. And look, I index, you want to index a little bit of your money? That's fine. But remember, small caps are responsible for 60% of the gains over the last 85 years. You're not going to get those in, in uh, the S&P 500, okay? You're not going to get those in the NASDAQ QQQs. Just not. So you, you almost have to be in, in other names to, to participate over a period of time. Now, small caps have underperformed for a while. Their time's coming, I think. Their time's are coming. Hey, thanks for listening. This is the uh, Smart Investor Show. Remember, Tim Hay- Google Tim Hayes Radio. Get any of the lists you want. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next weekend. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwmfa.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.